1: And we're still
2: talking about revolution.
3: Hello and welcome to the Do and Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And a warning that this episode of Do and Time may contain audio images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died and discussion of deaths in custody. First up on the show, we will hear from Nicole Lee, President of People with Disability Australia, and we will be speaking with her about calls for a radical response to end segregation and discrimination. We will discuss with Nicole um, not only about the radical response but also to look at the release of the Disability Royal Commission's final report, which isn't available yet, But there is absolutely no harm in speaking with her about the implications of that future report. And then after that, we'll interview Mariam and Mahumi. And they are a refugee group called 12,000 Active Souls, Captive Souls, sorry. Well, they're active too, but yeah, I'll just repeat that name. Um, it's a group, twelve thousand captive souls, and they have started a week long protest outside the office of Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill. And this protest will run for about a week, from nine a.m. to five p.m. each weekday at seventeen to nineteen Atherton Road, Oakley, Victoria. And they're going to be we're going to be speaking about the the fast tracking system. And we're going to be speaking directly with these two very, very amazing women about what's happening and how they are affected and rejected under the fast track system. I'm very excited now to welcome Nicole to the um, to the radio show. But before we do that, I just want to read out a quote from her. I love reading out quotes from Nicole and our segregation is perpetuated by Australia's laws, policies and frameworks. For too long, we've been sidelined and our human rights have been violated. A radical overhaul is needed. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to the program.
4: Hi, thanks for having me on.
3: It's so lovely to have you again, and you've you've actually spoken about quite a few very important topics. Can you just tell us... A little bit about what's been going on and look at the Royal Commission.
4: Um, well, ahead of the Royal Commission, we've been trying to be pretty strong in what we say around what,
3: what, what it is that we,
4: uh, yeah, um, we were expecting from this report. There's a lot of high hopes riding on this report. You know, we didn't all divulge our trauma and, and the worst bits of our lives um, for no action to be taken or for recommendations to you not be very forthright. Um, So, you know, like you you just said in in the quote, you know, calling for an end of all forms of segregation, and that includes, you know, looking at and addressing laws where our rights are taken away, be that through mental health laws in every different state and territory, um, so abolishing forced treatment, you know, seclusion and restraint... Um, looking at the ways in which we're harmed by criminal justice systems, you know, and and finding pathways to um, reduce the numbers, you know, and abolish incarceration of people with disability, um, and also you know looking at guardianship laws where other people make decisions over our lives, so substitute decision making versus um, supported decision-making you know, and supported from people in our lives that may be controlling us as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's a radical step, but other countries and other jurisdictions around the world are doing these things, and Australia is lagging behind when it comes to, you know, looking at the rights of people with disabilities under, you know, the Convention of the Rights of, of, of People with Disability. Um, and we really should be doing much better than we currently are.
3: Absolutely. You we were just talking more about incarceration. Can you go into more into that?
4: Well, the fact that, you know, people with disabilities, and especially um, First Nations people with disabilities, you know, experience higher rates of incarceration than than anybody else in this country. And we need to be looking at why rather than just simply locking people up. Um, Because it is not the answer. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of the criminal justice system. It is not a safe place for us, whether you're a victim or whether you're not somebody that's having the finger pointed at you as doing something wrong. You know, we're not seen as whole people. We're seen as dangerous or wrong... Um, our mental health records get subpoenaed into courtrooms and used against us in, in, as, as victims and, and as people who've committed, you know, acts of, of, um, you know, usually out of poverty. Um, you know, or out of desperation, and and we get, you know, punitive responses based on the fact that you know we're already behind the eight ball, based on the fact that we live with trauma, that we live in poverty, um, you know, that we're, you know, not as educated, or you know, we haven't had the opportunities that other people in the world have had or in around us, that have had. Um, yet then those things are then harness to you know um, give us those you know to to um, enact those responses against us, and we need to be looking at ways in which to you know, bring that down and, and and work towards abolishing you know such high numbers it's actually just abolishing the criminal justice system in general <laughs> would be brilliant
3: absolutely and and in fact having having proper community controlled services and it 's interesting mm-hmm. i don 't know whether you Heard Daniel Andrews comments of Premier Victoria recently where he said that we can't abolish the criminal justice system unless we have an alternative. Well, hello, when's that going to be happening? But when?
4: the thing is, you know, we're not going to abolish the criminal justice system tomorrow. Like all of us, you know, anybody that sits in that abolition space, we know that that's not going to happen tomorrow. But what are the steps that they could be taking right now that work towards that? That's what we're saying. That's what we're wanting. We're pushing that abolitionist position because we want those steps that take us closer towards, you know, bringing back things into community, bringing back things into, um, you know, restorative justice pathways, safeguarding the criminal justice system would be even a step forward. Protecting victims better, um, you know, protecting people with psychosocial disability in courtrooms, whether they're, you know, the you know the witness or, or, or an accused in, in, in a scenario. There's lots of things that can be done that move us closer towards having a system that works with communities versus just, you know, constantly, you know, pushing people down and having such, you know, really strong punitive responses. But that, um, you know seem to harm well they not seem to but do harm you know certain cohorts of the community
3: tell us about the media release that people disability australia have, have put out ahead of this report Yep. how did this come about
4: um, well the because um well firstly you know the commission is coming up to releasing that report we want to have a really strong stance you know straight out of the gate before the report is even released around you know we want to see really strong recommendations around ending all forms of segregation from education um to employment to health to um parenting you know all areas in which we you engage with the community around us like segregation starts as young as you know, kindergarten and primary school. You know, if we're telling children who are going into prep at the age of, you know, four and a half or five that they need to go somewhere different because they are other, but they are not the same, you know, that sets up a lifetime of feeling like an outsider, feeling like you're not welcome, you know, and feeling like you're different to everybody else. So we need to abolish that because, you know, children as young as five don't know these things. They haven't been exposed for that kind of treatment, and we need to stop exposing them to it so that they don't live the life that we did. Um, you know, we're not going to turn around stigma and discrimination against people with disability if we're not in the community alongside our peers, and that starts. In infancy, that starts in kindergarten. That starts in primary school. Um, if we're segregated, children are growing up and seeing us as just regular kids like them, beside them, playing with with them, and learning with them, and building relationships with them. If they're not exposed to us, then they grow up with fear. They grow up with not understanding, and they grow up with um, you know stigma against it. And the only way to overturn that is. We are alongside everybody else, like regular members of the community, you know, as as just ordinary peers, as neighbours, as friends, as co-workers, and as you know, students beside other students.
3: Absolutely. So there really does need to be a lot of systemic and structural change, doesn't there?
4: Absolutely. There really has to be such huge and you know structural and systemic change. And and I find it interesting that. You know, like, people believe that we've come such a long way in this country, you know, that we've you know, closed all the major, you know, mental health institutions and psychiatric institutions around the country. But, yes, we have closed the big major institutions. We've just split them up and spread them around the states um, and made them more hidden. And the same with segregated housing. You know, we've closed major, you know, disability institutions, but we've, you know, um, all we've done is rebuild smaller um, group homes where people are still segregated where people are still locked behind doors or behind great big gates and fences and have environmental restraints you know it's it's just less visible than it used to be it's just less overt we've we've given them new names we've given them um, names to make it sound like it's empowering or sound like there's autonomy there to give it the allure and the veneer of it but ultimately we don't have autonomy. We don't have freedom in those environments. Um, so, therefore, you know there needs to be that radical change, and the community need to wake up to you know what's been happening—that we really haven't shifted very far in this country at all. We've just changed the language we use um, to to justify continuing to do it.
3: Yeah. Well, the Royal Commission has was extended, wasn't it? And yeah. I've actually done some quite extensive coverage on the Doing Time show. Also, in regards to people with disability and the police, yep. and I just wanted to know were, were there stories at the Royal Commission about that that subject?
4: Um, well, there should definitely be stories in there. I know I spoke about my interaction with police and 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 with justice systems, um, my, my, from my own personal experience and how difficult they are and how untrusting I feel in them. So, um, yeah, there would be plenty of other people. But whether or not there, you know, there wasn't exactly a specific hearing on that. You know, there was lots of areas. Um, that weren 't given you know the attention that they fully needed, um we looked at the um uh, like incarceration, but you know have we looked at what you know the criminal justice system is like you know you know in and of itself for you know victims of of crimes and um you know there wasn't enough I think done in that kind of regard or. In regards to, you know, there was no hearing on the mental health sector and the way in which mental health laws are used against us to take away our choice and control of, you know, of our own treatment options. Um, there was no highlight on that, um, you know, or the use of seclusion and restraint. Even though they did, a, a they commissioned a report on restrictive practice, but that report leaned very heavily on Victoria's mental health Royal commission. So there are areas in which, you know, it hasn't been highlighted enough and. Yes, the commission got extended, but you know, that was because nobody could predict that we had COVID, that COVID was going to you know, impact us and impact us on going into the future either. Um, but ultimately, we wanted a commission that was done well. And if that meant, it, meant for, it went for another couple of years, then it should have gone for another couple of years, in my opinion. Do it right versus do it fast.
3: Absolutely, Nicole. And I'd love to have you back again to talk about your interactions with the police as a person with a disability. And I'd like to talk to you about the COVID, but we're running out of time. Are there any final comments?
4: Uh, No, no, I guess it's just watch this space um, and that there will be advocacy on the other side of this report being released um, that, you know, disabled people aren't going to go quietly into the night, so to speak. We don't owe anybody anything. We don't have to be grateful for anything. We just... What we want is a report that is frank and fearless. Um, And even if it's not, we will be frank and fearless on the other side of that report. So just to the community that no one's going to sit back and allow this not to be taken seriously.
3: Absolutely. We have to fight ableism, isn't it?
4: Yes. Yes, we certainly do.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nicole, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's been a pleasure as, as usual. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Nicole Lee, President of Disability People with Disability Australia. And I was just talking about a, a media release calling for urgent government action to end the segregation of people with disability ahead of the release of the Disability Royal Commission's final report. Wildlife Victoria is a non-profit emergency response service committed to assisting wildlife in need across Victoria. Our trained and dedicated volunteers rescue and rehabilitate sick, injured and orphaned animals so they can be released back to their native habitat. If you see wildlife that may need our help, please contact us on 8400 7300. To donate or register to become a volunteer, hop onto our website at wildlifevictoria.org.au a 3CR supporter. And in case people have just tuned in, this is the Doin' Time Show and this is Marissa, 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial. And I want to just give a brief introduction and I'm going to be interviewing two very strong strong women and they're asylum seekers and they're down at this protest. I wish I was there. Um, anyway, I'm going to be interviewing them very soon and the refugees... Are starting a long week long protest for permanent visas, and it's called the group Twelve Thousand Captive Souls, and they're also part of the Refugee Action Collective. Um, starting a week long protest outside the office of Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill. It's going to be lasting a week, nine am to five pm each weekday. At I'm going to check this number, but I think it's seventeen to nineteen. Atherton Road, Oakley, Victoria. And we're going to be speaking to them very shortly. Mariam and Mahimi, welcome. Hello. Hello. It's so lovely to have you both. Now, it's Marissa from the Doing Time Show. You are live on air, but don't stress. <laughs> <laughs> All would be well. Can you just um, tell me where you're from, um, what country you're from?
0: Yeah, um, my name is Mahbube, and I'm from Iran, and we arrived to Australia from Iran 2013 by both.
3: Both of you? Yeah, both of us. Both yeah. of you. All right, so who wants who wants to start and tell me about what's happening with the protest and, and have some background?
0: Uh, I can talk.
3: Who am I speaking with?
0: Yeah, Mahbube.
3: Perfect. Go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, first of all, thank you for calling us and attention to us. Uh, we uh, two times ago, uh, two times around uh, on August and July, we've been here uh, for business time, ten o'clock until two p.m. and both of times, uh, Kenan Oni's office closed deliberately actually, and then we made another decision to sit down here from 8 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock in the evening, Monday to Friday, 18th of September until 22nd of the September, to uh, someone make reactions and uh, talk to us, make empathy to us and listening to us. And today it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Lots of people from different cultures join to us from the Sri Lanka, from Afghanistan, from Pakistan, and Iranian community gathering together. And um, just like the brothers and sisters, just ask for permanent visa, just ask to solution this issue.
3: That's right, exactly. Because from what I can gather here, Australia has rejected under the fast-track system And left in limbo lots of asylum seekers, including you two and your daughter too, isn't it Mahumi, for 11 years on a bridging visa. Is that right?
0: Yes, actually uh, more than 10 years we've been by bridging visa. And when the Albanese government was elected with a promise to replace the unfair IAA with an independent refugee review tribunal, and you know they acknowledge that that so-called fast-track refugee system does not provide a fair, thorough, and robust assessment process. And yeah, it harmed this government. Let the men, women, and children failed by this unfair policy system have the permanence. They need to truly rebuild their lives as part of the community.
3: Well, there's really a lack of a clear and permanent residency pathway. How does that affect you two?
0: Oh, lots of effects, but uh, um, I'm happy Mariam talk about that. Okay.
3: Yeah. Hello, Mariam.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me here today. Welcome. It's um, lovely
3: to have you. Talk, talk to me.
0: Well, uh, there is too much pressure and stress, like, on all of us because, like, you know, we don't have the uh, normal... Um, like, we can't live as a normal human because most of us, we don't have work rights. Most of us, we don't have uh, study rights. Like, you know, we've all been under pressure, stress. When when will all of this end? We just want an answer. Like, once the, uh, Andrew, like, became in government, we were hoping, like, all these nightmares were finished. But still, like, everything is going on. And today, all these people are gathering here just to find a solution. But, like, as Mahbubah said, all doors are closed. Hopefully, they will hear us today. But, to be honest, me, as a 24 years like woman, I lost my hope because I was studying uh, back then. And out of nowhere, they told me, oh, you can't continue studying because of your visa. So... I came here, I was 13. I had so many dreams. Um, I was thinking, like, to build my life here, but out of nowhere, suddenly everything was down. Uh, they, stopped, they stopped me from studying. And, like, you know, obviously you can feel how my heart is broken right now. And, like, life is hard. It's, life is really hard for us to be this year. And we want a solution. That's all we want. We are human. We came here. We had dreams. Uh, especially there is too many kids. Like, if you if you were here today, like, trust me, your heart will be broken because of the kids. Most of them were crying because the pressure that on their parents, most of them are, they don't know what's going to happen, like, to them in the future. Like, most of us refugees, we heard that, oh, if you have a problem, pack up and leave. Well, obviously, if we came, why why did we come here? Because we were not safe back there. Because our kids, because of everything. But still, we don't have an answer for all this, like, cruelty. Hopefully one day all this will finish. But as I told you, all of us, like, our heart is broken and we want an answer when all of this will finish.
3: My heart is already broken, believe me, because week after week I come into this show and I talk with people about these things and it's it's awful. It is. <laughs> so, has Claire O'Neill come out of her office? What What's happened there?
4: Um,
0: actually, today the office is closed, and uh, some of uh, her staff is, you know, just like shocking when the office closed as well. And uh, I would like to say, you know, my today. I I believe our kids are innocent. They are the real victims of fast-track policy. You know, I like to say to Claire O'Neill, as a mom, as a woman, I've um, uh, you know, yeah. got two children, yeah. the eldest one teenager, and she was here when she was um, six years old and now 16. And she was, she's um, completely disappointed for her future you know, and just they are here now for five days in a row. Instead of enjoying life in peace, they have to witness the suffering of their families. It's really hard. It's really hard to see our, as a mom, you know, and uh, they're really innocent.
3: Yes, I are. And, and also, so you and Mariam have talked about study, I just want to make sure that we give listeners an idea. So, really, the fast-track system, it's not really a fast-track system, is it?
0: No, it's not fast and (laughs) it's not
3: fair. Yeah. Because you've worked and paid taxes in Australia for years. So, what visa were you on before you were placed on this?
0: Um, Actually, uh, we've got bridging visa and, you know... I was nurse. I was a registered nurse in my own country, Iran. And as you know, these days, um, I've got victim of the hijab as well from Iran. When I was nurse, I've got many times got the detention because of the hijab in the hospital. You know. And when we came in Australia, I tried to improve my English. I. Uh, just uh, working in darvish Pathology as a specimen collector. And I was worked in the pandemic as a specimen collector uh, with the, taking the swabs for the COVID test. Mm. And I feel I stood up with Australians. And now I expect the Australia support me as well. You know, it's very hard uh, the, that those days, around two years, around two years, I worked Um, in the the under-risk with the three children, you know, for a specimen collector. Uh, But now we're working, we're paying tax, but we we don't have any benefit. We don't have Medicare. Some of them, um, they got the children born here without any Medicare. It's really tough. No Medicare, no health, you know?
3: So this bridging visa in effect, stops you from studying, no Medicare, can you work?
0: You know, different uh, situation with different story. Someone got the Medicare, the other one's not. Someone can study, uh, you know, uh, before university. And, you know, when, for example, if my daughter should go to university, she's an international student. And we can't afford to spend the money for, uh. as an international student. And for my daughter, she can't understand because she wasn't go even to school in Iran. She all her life been here from uh, kindergarten until now, you know. And then she thinks about, oh, I ha- I'm not uh, equal things with her peers. It, it's really difficult now. And too much pressure.
3: A lot of pressure. So, okay, so you've got your your daughter there, Mahumi. And what about you, Miriam? So you you were going to university, were you?
0: Uh, I was studying a course to enter the university. um, But out of nowhere, as I told you, they just stopped me and they said, like, that's it. Because of your visa, you can't continue. You have to wait until they give you the permanent." After that, you can
3: continue. But you were on a bridging visa when you were studying, weren't you? They yeah. changed the uh, laws. Yeah, yeah, because
0: uh, I have the visa right now bridging, but uh, on it, on their paper it says no studying. And,
3: yeah. So, all right, so what are the plans then for the week? Do you, do you plan to uh, uh, write a letter to Claire O'Neill or approach her office tomorrow or during the week? When it opens uh,
0: we are here, as my said, like for five days, yep, to see what's gonna happen, and maybe any changes happen, even though I lost my heart, to be honest, I lost my heart, yeah. because like, as I told you, they stopped me from uh, studying like around uh five years ago, or yeah six years ago, and back then, I was like, it's okay. Next year, they might give you the visa and I can continue. After that, I I used to have hope, but now, no, that's it. I gave up. To be honest, I gave up.
3: Let's hope that they do it soon, and they need to, and we need to fight for it, don't we, Miriam?
0: We have to. Like, but, you know, I have little brothers. Uh, Like, the youngest one, he just finished, like, uh, year 12. He got really good ATAR, but as I told you, he can't enter the uni. See, is that fair? He was studying so hard. Uh, he was a very good student at the school. And, yes, yeah, there is no visa. There is no university. Is that fair? Obviously not.
3: Definitely not. And that's why that's why um, 3CR and shows like the Do and Time show are here, so that we can spread the word and also help in, in your fight as asylum seekers. What's any any police there at all? Any police presence at the yeah, yeah.
4: protest?
0: Uh we four police. Yeah, yep. federal police is here, was here, mm-hmm. and we've got lots of interview with the radio, defense radio, SBS radio, and SBS News came over uh, taking the film and interview with people, and we are planned to stay every day until Friday until someone. Come over and talk to us. Make a sustained decision. This is really important. Nobody talks to us about their plans. Nobody talks to us, and we don't uh, we don't expect what what's the finish. We don't limited time, you know. And our visa is unlimited. Can you believe it? Our visa is unlimited. Yeah. Because no expiry, no, just unlimited, until our process. But no idea. From 2019, 2018, our family rejected by fast track. And we, uh, we're still waiting to review again by federal court and IAA. It's too much, too much. And it's still we've been bridging visa, And if until Friday... Nobody talks to us, and Kerooni's office is still closed to our people. We've got the other plan, and um, even someone named Sa'id started to hunger strike since yesterday for 24 hours until Friday. Uh, he sat down in Kerooni's office from uh, last uh, yesterday with the hunger strike. Until Friday. Hopefully, everything goes well. Hopefully, somebody tries to empathy to us. You know, it's it's really we've got to under pressure, under pressure, literally.
3: A hunger strike is is currently happening. Yeah,
0: it yeah. is happening. It's been two days, I think.
3: Yeah. yeah. And where is where is he?
0: Uh, he's uh, standing here since yesterday. Oh. Is a sixty years old man. He's completely disappointed of his life. It's very heartbreaking, very hard, and he made a decision from yesterday. Just sat down, sit down, and close on his office for twenty four hours until Friday with the hunger strike.
3: Well, I wish him. We the Doing Time show wishes him the very, very best. It's really important. Isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: And something that really isn't talked about too much in the media, and this is something that I've really drawn attention to on this show, is that people who come by boat are often demonised by the government.
0: Yeah, unfortunately,
3: yeah. You know, that's like, really disgusting.
0: Uh, there is there is a question, like, they asked me in the protest right now. They were like, well, if you want to treat us in that way, why did you let us in? Like, you know, why did you let us in? Oh, we all have kids here. They're born here. They're living here. Uh, but they don't have a future. Why did you let us in? We'd rather die in the water, but not not living this life. Because now we don't have the rights. We can't live our life. We can't work in, in our dream jobs. We can't study. So what's the difference? We are actually in a prison. We are actually in prison. And we are locked in one place. We don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to send us back? Are they going to send us uh, leave us here and like leave us behind these locked doors until when? We don't know.
3: It is a prison, isn't it? You're so you're, you're. A, it, is it is a prison.
0: What's the difference? What's the difference like between the prison and the life that we're living here? In prison, they can't study, they can't live their normal life, and we are doing that right now.
3: So you feel like you're being punished?
0: I am being punished. As a, like, 13-year-old who came here with lots of dreams, I am being punished. I'm actually being punished. And, like, there is lots of times that I've been, like, telling my parents, why did you bring us here? Right? Like, back in our country, we don't have the freedom. Uh, We're not living the normal life, especially in Iran. You are hearing right now what's going on there. They're killing the women. A women's not having enough rights. I know my parents, they made this, this decision because of me, because of my sister and my brother. But still, like, you know, I'm not living the normal life.
3: Tell us about Iran, because I think what would be useful is for listeners to understand about Iran.
0: Iran. like Iran's What's going like, on ago? there? One year ago, there was a protest, like, uh, women stand up for their rights. And lots of them, they've been killed. Like, as you've seen, like, the protests that they've they've done in Victoria, they put so many girls, so many women's photos who've been killed by the government because of not wearing the hijab, because of uh, not giving them the rights. They stand up, they talk, but they've been shot. So, yeah.
3: And your parents, and, and also Mahumi took her daughter as well, to Australia, thinking that there was going to be a better life, and you're on bridging visas now, indefinitely.
0: But I know, I know, my parents are, uh, my parents. While I look in their eyes, they are ashamed. They are ashamed, but they can't do anything. They can't say anything, right? I'm not going to say I'm not going to like be mean. I'm not going to say Australia is not good. Not sure. Australia is Australia is good, and we are like thanking them for letting us in. But why are they not being fair to us? What's the difference between us and other people? Like, what's the difference between our kids and other residents' kids? Why are our kids not living the normal life? Why are our kids they can't like dream for their studying, for their jobs, for their everything? Like, you know, most of most of the jobs they can't, they don't give us the job. You know why? Because we don't have the uh, permanent or we don't have the citizens. Is that fair? Obviously not. I have my brother. Uh, he, as I told you, he got very good A in uh, Year Twelve. The last time he was talking to me, he was like, "I'm not going to continue. That's it. I gave up." I was like, "Why?" He was like, "No, that's it. Why am I studying all of this? Why am I like doing all of this while like, I know I'm not going to go? I'm not going to enter Year Twelve. Uh, I'm not going to enter university." Like you know, he came here. He was six years. He was only six, and now he's talking like that. Like you know, he was six. He grew up here. Australia is his country now, because he studied here, he's like done everything here. But as as I told you, Australia is not being fair with us. And back then, we used to say, it's okay, the law is going to change. One year, two years, three years, year, but now it's 11 years. 11 years.
3: It is an absolutely appalling situation, and I'm really happy to have this opportunity to draw attention to this. It's really important.
0: Can I have a word with uh, Claire and Andrew? Absolutely. Well, if they hear me, I just want to tell them, like, I'm here to talk on behalf of all the refugees who lost their hope and living their lives full of stress and pain. You might ask me why. Let me tell you the answer, fear of not getting the visa. Parents are being ashamed in, in front of their kids. Because they promised them for a better life, but it's been 11 years, they are locked in one place, and they don't know what's really going to happen to them later on. Will they remain with that visa forever? Would they keep on dreaming for the day that they received the visa, and they can continue studying, and they can work in their extreme jobs? Things that I'm talking about them right now, just a small part of what we are going through. We want someone to listen to us. We want... We want to find a solution,
3: Like, right? Can you please just listen to us? And we need to send out a very powerful message to Claire O'Neill and indeed Anthony Albanese and the Australian government to to do something to help asylum seekers and refugees. This is, this is wonderful. With that. They've done a few little things, but it's not enough. It's not enough, right. Anything else that you two would like to talk about?
0: Yes, yeah, I would like to say all people coming today is educated. As a silent speaker, is educated. And if the government gives them the chance and opportunity, they can contribute to Australian community. More than decade, they work and they pay in tax, like Australians. However, we don't allow to buy in the house. We can't get the credit card. We can't get the loan. It's not fair. You know, it's not fair to working, paying tax like the others, but stop for everything. We can't do anything, you know, we're not allowed. Yeah. We we don't need any sampling benefits. I just say loudly to everyone in the streets, we don't need sampling benefits. We need just feel safe here. Lots of people is a doctor, engineer, builder, and we need the opportunity to live here safely, you know. Mm.
3: Yes, and and so just to paint a little bit of a picture here. So you you two have jobs.
0: I'm currently on my mom. Yep, my mother. Yes, she have a job.
3: Well, that is a job that's in that's itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I applied. I'm not going to tell you I didn't apply, but most of the places uh, they ask for a visa for a permanent or a citizen. Oh so,
3: yeah. The reason why I've asked you this is because I just wanted to highlight how difficult it is for both of you it
0: financially. It's so difficult because everywhere that you go, there is some people they accept to like afford you a job, but most of them they ask you for permanent visa or um, citizen. Some people who afford the job once they they see your visa, that's it. They just don't don't afford you the job anymore.
3: It's really a very cruel policy, isn't it? It
0: is. And yeah, even if I was shocking two days ago, around 13th of September, when Andrew Joyce posted about the Iranian girls and women, and all MPs and Andrew Joyce said, We stand up with the Iranian women and girls. I was shocking. I said, Please, Andrew, just look at us. We are here. Support hmm. us here, you know. We really need to, all MPs, Andrew Joyce, Claire O'Neill, knows about what's happening in Iran, what's happening in Afghanistan. And we've been here more than decades without any visa.
3: Well, look at what has been happening with Afghanistan and the Taliban.
0: Yeah. Well, um, to be honest, the same thing is happening to Iran. Yes, yeah. exactly. The same thing and worse. Like there is too many stories of many like women who have been in prison. Like it's heartbreaking that if you hear them, trust me, you you can't stop like uh, crying because of their stories. And as Mahouba said, like uh, one week ago, I heard about what Dan Andrew said about um, the is they Iranian and the women and everything, but can you please just open your eyes and look at the women here who are suffering, who are working so hard, who are living so hard, but still without visa, without their rights? Can you look at them as well, like the way that you're talking about other women in Iran?
3: That's exactly right. I actually think this is really important. I'm just going to let... um let people know um, again the details of the protest. So the group, your group, is twelve thousand captive souls. Is that right? Yes. And you're inviting politicians, the media, and the public to join you, yes. And to listen to the stories, to understand the suffering endured by those living in the communities, and to recognise the dire need for action for permanent visas for all. Yes.
0: Yes. Exactly.
3: It's uh, it's very, very important. It's approximately 4.42 and I am talking to having a really, really interesting discussion and a very important discussion with two very, very strong women, Iranian women, who are asylum seekers and are protesting along with other, other refugees and asylum seekers, isn't it, at Atherton Road, Oakley. Yeah. I'm just going to have a look at the address here again. Is the address um, seventeen to nineteen Atherton Road, Oakley, isn't it? Yes, and that is actually the office of Claire O'Neill, exactly. Who is the Home Affairs, the Home Affairs Minister?
0: Yes.
3: So I wanted to offer you, and I have offered you over half an hour on the show because I think it's important. So let's just have one more look before we finish, because. This is both your opportunity to to shine a spotlight on this. Are there any other comments?
0: Not really, because you said everything.
3: That's what. That's good. That's good.
0: Equality and like stop all this discrimination against us and other residents. That's all we want. We want equality.
3: Okay, so. Yeah, oh yeah, we want equality, that, that's, that's for sure, Quality for all. Okay, let's let's finish then, let's conclude the interview by both of you giving your names and where you are from so that we're clear. Do you want to start, Mariam?
0: Yeah, I'm Mariam, I'm from Iran and I'm 24 years. I came here once I was
4: 13. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I am
0: Mahboube, and um, I'm a mother with two children. I'm
3: 42 years old. It's so lovely to have the two of you on the show and I will try and get down there this week. I'll have a chat to you both uh, maybe sometime tomorrow.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much.
3: So uh, anybody that's listening to this show, rock up there, please, and support the asylum seekers and refugees and we cannot forget the hunger strike as well and go to 17 Atherton Road in, in Oakley, Victoria. Outside the office of Claire O'Neill, the Home Affairs Minister. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Thanks so much. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you for having us, and for everyone who's listening to us. Please come, come here and stand with refugees. We want all of you to stand with us because, as we said, all we want is equality.
3: How many, many of you there are there at the moment?
0: Um. Uh, How many exactly? I'm not Not sure. Not exactly, but roughly. Um, More than
3: 70. Yeah, like that. 70 of refugees? Yeah. Wow.
0: From Afghanistan, Pakistan and Iran.
3: What I'd really like you two to do, if possible, is, um, Maggie, you've got my number, haven't you, Mahimi? If you could um, call me tomorrow and we're going to organise more interviews pretty soon.
0: Yeah, we've got lots of people with different stories and I'm really happy to invite them and talk to your, uh, to you, and you know, because these days we need to media to being our voice. It's really important uh, these days, you know.
3: Absolutely, and I want to invite you two and others to come to the studio sometime soon. We'll work that out.
0: Fantastic! Thank you so much.
3: Thanks a lot. Say hello to Tanya for me.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thanks a lot, both of you.
0: Thank you. Talk to You're you
3: welcome.
0: soon. Thank, Thank
3: you. you. Thank bye bye. And that was Mariam and Mahimi who are two asylum seekers speaking. They're from the refugee group 12,000 Captive Souls. They're an offshoot of the Refugee Action Collective, starting a week-long protest outside the office of Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill. We crossed over live to that protest, and the protest will run, I think, yeah, she said 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., sorry, each weekday at 17 to 19 Atherton Road, Oakley, Victoria.
2: Of a place I'd rather be, for it's not that far away to get away. We- Here beside me. Our future's all I see. Our hearts will be together and our spirits will be free. Yeah. Time is all I You might have heard about the Community Radio Plus app, but it's only when you start using
3: it that you'll wonder how you lived without it. You can listen to us wherever you are. At home, work, driving, on public transport, gardening,
2: protesting, or even in the bath.
4: Just search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your app.
3: And you're back with the Do and Time show and we're nearing the end of our show. It's Marissa taking you through until five o'clock this evening and it's approximately 4.53 and I wanted to thank all of our guests for, for being interviewed today. We, the first up we had Nicole Lee from People with Disability Australia and she's the president of that organisation. And then after that, we crossed over to a live protest at Oakley. So the Details again, 17 to 19 Atherton Road, Oakley, and they are highlighting and shining a spotlight on the fast track system and how people on bridging visas have been... Are rejected and they're not able to work or study or have Medicare. Many, many children were at that protest and this is happening over the week until Friday the 22nd of September. So please support the asylum seekers and refugees in any way you can and please try to, to turn up um, at the protest 17 to 19 Atherton Road, Oakley. Really important for that to happen. So it's goodbye from Marissa, and you're um, listening to The Doin' Time Show. Thanks for your company. Tune in every Monday from 4 to 5 for The Doin' Time Show. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by The Rumpy Band. And stay tuned um, next week. See you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to all crorgau Black Fella, White Fella. It doesn't matter what you
1: colour, as long as you a true fella, as long as